Hello, my badass fire starters. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and this show is all about achieving the sacred pleasure of your highest potential through spirituality, self-empowerment, entrepreneurship, and magic. It's time to unabashedly blaze your own path by turning up the volume on your total authenticity. I'm an outlaw life and success coach for rebel boss witches and modern mystics, and I'm so excited to have you join me. Thank you for listening. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the show today. This is Rebirth of Venus. I'm Caitlin Matanley. You know these things because you, you know, press play, (laughs) which I'm so grateful for. Thank you for listening today. I'm hopping on just for a couple of minutes before we get into the episode today. It's an amazing interview that I know you're going to find so much value and entertainment out of. It's basically in the honor of Astrology Month, we'll call this episode, we'll we'll unofficially subtitle this episode, What Happens When Two Gemini Dominant People Get Together? An actual Gemini sun and a Gemini ascendant myself. (laughs) There are lots of laughs. You're going to love it. And I wanted to let you know that you have one week left to get into my Army of Venus Bootcamp live 14-day digital intensive. If you haven't heard about it yet, where have you been? No, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you about it now. It is the rebooted, relaunched version of my classic Army of Venus Bootcamp course, which originally was just an email-based course, and I have revamped it to become a live course with not just daily inspirational reading, which honestly, it's way cooler than that sounds. Inspirational reading sounds like chicken soup for the soul or something. It's not that. It's like that with cursing. (laughs) You'll get morning reading that is designed for each of the 14 days to really give you something to work on in an actionable way so that you can experience what happens in your life when you shift one tiny thing. So you're going to start each morning with that. And then each afternoon, I'm going live in our online accountability group. I'm going for on for a live class each day, each of the 14 days. It's going to be a live 30-minute class. And for each of those classes, I'm going to be going deeper into the content for the day, answering your questions about how to apply it to your life and how to really shift the things that we're going through. It's So all in all, it's a two-week digital program, and it's designed to whip your mindset into shape quickly so that you can finally fully embody the badass you are. The program's designed to eliminate negativity, disempowering beliefs, and all of that, we do that so that you can step into the sacred pleasure of your highest potential, which is what I call the ultimate magic of Venus. So by going through this course, working with me in this group setting for 14 days, you'll step into the archetype of Venus. So for me, that means pleasure without guilt. That means success on your own terms. You know, fuck societal, societal, <laughs> fuck societal expectations that bore you to tears. You're going to step into total abundance, supreme self-love. This is powerful work. And the best part is you will really, really, it, it's like a detox for your mind. And you're going to experience it in just such a short time, 14 days. 
I've designed it so that you can really get yourself into a good place before the year ends so that you're not you know, beating yourself up about what you did or didn't do. Like, fuck that. You're not going to be, you know, beating yourself up about what things could have done, could have happened differently. Or, you know, maybe if you go into December, into the holiday season and you're surrounded by people who don't really you know, see your highest vision for yourself the same way you do, you're going to be an amazing place where any of that negativity just bounces off of you. So that's really what this program is designed for. And over the 14 days that we have together, you'll discover how to step into, I like to say how to blossom into who you've always meant to be. You're going to do that by celebrating who you are already. And then from there, learning to trust yourself Stepping into action around trusting yourself so that you know what the next direction is for you. This is awesome pre-work for like any New Year's resolutions if you're like me and you get really into that. This is awesome pre-work because it's going to really help you, you know, step into that level of self-trust, recognize what you've been getting out of your bullshit in the past, upgrade your life intentions, disrupt any disempowering patterns, and so much more. Ultimately, this course is about establishing new habits and mindsets fit for the divinity you are. I believe we are all sacred. We are all sacred beings. And this course is designed to help you step into that in a fucking badass way because it's a boot camp. You know me. I'm a little bit of a tough love, you know, kind of teacher. And really, Ultimately, we are not beating around the bush. This is not about flowery goddess vibes. No offense to those vibes, but those just aren't mine. <laughs> this is about what I have channeled as the true magic of Venus. It's not about, you know, like rose petals on your bed. It's about really showing up for yourself in a way that allows you to embody what it really means to care for yourself. You know, not this commercialized, like, buy a candle and like I said, you know, put the rose petals in your bath and like self-care it is. No, this is about what happens when you really care for yourself, when you really trust your desires, when you really, you know, honor your intentions, when you really decide that you can do better, that you will do better and that you'll do that because you want yourself to have everything you've always desired. So if that sounds good, be sure to check out the course. Like I said, you have one week left to join. It's the last chance you're going to have to work with me in a group setting this year and, you know, in a live group setting. And there are going to be some things I'm shifting around next year as far as my live group courses. So I really suggest you get in now because I'm going to be changing some things. <laughs> so if you want to get in for my last live course of the year, Make sure to jump in. You can go to rebirthofvenus.com slash live bootcamp, or you can click the link in the show notes and join me inside. It's going to be so much fun. And oh, and the best part, well, not the best part. The best part is the transformation. But a bonus is that the course is really affordable. The program's really affordable so that there's really no reason not to get in. As always, I have payment plans available. Just, you know, stop making excuses. If this calls to you, go for it. I know you're going to love it and you're really, really going to benefit from this work that we're going to do together. So anyway, that's my spiel about the boot camp. Check it out. And with that, let's go into the interview today. I encourage you to sit back, to feel like, you know, two of your sort of besties are going to hang out and talk about astrology, both the serious stuff 
both the fun and ridiculous stuff and everything in between. So I hope you love the episode today as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. I'm Caitlin Matanley, and I am here today with Colin Bedell of Queer Cosmos. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to know a lot of people online through their Instagram handle. <laughs> so you may already follow Colin for his incredible views on astrology that are inclusive not only to the LGBTQIA community, but of course, the mainstream heterosexual community as well. And it's so funny because when I was doing a little bit of extra digging and research into Colin before starting this interview today, I, I found a really interesting quote that really put this into context, why it's important to have astrology that is, equi- that is not equivalent, <laughs> that is inclusive of all identities. Colin said, with a conversation on astrology predating contemporary thoughts on queer theory, the LGBTQIA community has largely been excluded from astrological discussion. And it's so interesting and important to think about as we progress as a society and as we become more aware of the incredible diversity of people that we get to enjoy in this big, beautiful world, it becomes more and more important to make sure that our practices, not just in astrology, but in spirituality in general, are updated, are aware of different identities, and really serve to include and help everybody equally. So I'd like to welcome you on the show today, Colin. I'm so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, and I appreciate that very affirmative introduction. You really did do a lot of research. That was not a lie, so I just want your listeners to know you are telling the truth. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to start out by just hearing about your background and how you started your spiritual journey, whatever that looks like for you today. Sure. Oh, that's a great question. So I think I started out learning astrology and just my spiritual journey right around when I was 12 years old, which is actually an astrological transit. It's called the Jupiter return because Jupiter returns to our natal position every 12 years. And it was right around that time when my mother started talking more frequently about astrology, or at least I just started paying attention to it. And she had mentioned something about how, oh, there he goes again. He's such a Gemini. I was like, what do you mean? And then Next thing I know, I'm Googling it on AOL, because that's how early it was, right? Oh, yes. AOL, AOL represent. <laughs> Hello. Right? Did you use the CD to log on? I probably did. Yes. That sounds right for me. Yes, I did. Yes. And I just Googled G-E-M-I-N-I, and the next thing I know, all this information is being flooded out at me. And I've been like learning about it really ever since. And like most queer boys, I had a real fascination with witches too. So I always loved the idea of enchantment and magic. And I just posted a picture of myself dressed as a witch today. So that's on my, on my consciousness. And now I was fascinated with Sabrina, with Harry Potter, with Sailor Moon, these mythical enchanted archetypes. I was like, what? What is this dimension that people are trying to tell me that isn't real, but I know in my bones is real? you know? And then in my early 20s, I had started uh, really taking my astrological inquiry to a deeper level and learning how to read charts and learning about aspects and learning about transits. And then when I was 24, I had my second Jupiter return, obviously, because 12 times 2 is 24. 
And that's when I experienced my first heartbreak. Oof, last one too. I haven't had one since, thank God. But it brought me to my knees in such a way, Caitlin, where I just was listening to information and asking questions I was not ready to hear before. And that was what introduced me to the principles of, of A Course in Miracles, other secular personal growth systems as articulated by uh, Dr. Brene Brown and other personal growth leaders. And then all of these conversations from Harry Potter to A Course in Miracles to astrology to queer theory just kind of aligned for me to use the verb in my community really well. And then from 24 to 29, I just was reading all this information like a menu. And then when I was fired from my last day job at 28, uh, I had just launched my website, Queer Cosmos, literally two weeks before. And then I was fired from that job. And I knew this is the moment, like produce everything you've wanted to do for a while and see how it goes. And here I am today, two years later. That is such an amazing story. There are a few things that stood out to me there. One, well, okay, first of all, how have I never heard of a Jupiter return? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I know. I don't know. But it happens whenever you're at an age that's divisible by 11 and a half, 12. Wow. So 23, 24, 11, 12, 35, 36. What's the next one? 44, 45? Right? I don't know. Your math is better than mine. <laughs> oh, God. No, it's terrible. I don't think anyone has ever said that to me in my life, even because <laughs> I've been so anti-math. But yes, it's every 12 years. Yeah. It's big, funny big because changes. in astrology, there, everything returns. And yet we yes. hear so much about, you know, now, before I say we hear so much about these things, I will acknowledge that many people listening may have no idea what we're talking about. But right. in, in astrology... My understanding is that the return of any planet is when it comes back to the original position of your birth. Yes. And I guess that happens with all planets, and we just don't think about it because maybe they're not as angsty or sexy as others. <laughs> no, right, or they happen less frequently. And there's also not the doom and gloom analysis, like the Saturn return. Oh, God, right? I'm currently in mine, and I have had the best two years of my life, Caitlin. Well, good for you. I'm glad to hear that. You can call my Thanks. partner who is currently in his. And I think it's been a mixed bag, but you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that, you, that can happen too. And we'll talk about that. But yes, yeah, so every planet makes a return depending on the, uh, the orbit and the distance between the sun and it, right? So we have our solar returns. That's just another way for astrologers to say happy birthday because the sun has returned to the constellation that we were born under right? The lunar returns happen once a month. So the moon enters our moon sign for you. It's Sagittarius, right? You said you're yes. Sagittarius moon. So whenever there's a Sagittarius moon, that's Caitlin's lunar return. It's my moon birthday. Right? I like exactly. It. Yeah, you should. And you should be, I'd be real curious if there are connections between how are you feeling emotionally? What's going on with your menstrual cycle? What's going on with your sexual appetites? Like that's very much a lunar return question. Ooh, I'm going to track yeah. it and message you and let you know. <laughs> yes, please, please, right? Things that witches talk about, right? Yes. Are you on your period when it's your lunar return? I know, I love it. <laughs> I love it, I love it. I... Um, and then you have your Mercury return once a year, your Mars return every two years, your Jupiter return every 12, 
your Saturn every uh, 29, and then your Uranus happen your Uranus return happens when you're in your mid 80s, and then you don't have a Neptune return because you would have to be about 125 for that. I mean, but the future, well, who knows? Yeah. Anything could happen. Right. <laughs> yes, and, and astrologers when we're joking of like someone never ages, we call them like a Neptune return because it's like, how are you so old and yet you look like you were 19? Like what the hell? So that's yeah. our weird jokes. There I, we go. That's gonna be J Lo. I feel. <laughs> oh, without <laughs> a doubt. You know who I'm thinking of? Angela Bassett. She yeah. Is ageless. Ageless. And actually, J-Lo's another Leo, so is Angela Bassett. I'm telling you, you're right. They will look perennially young no matter what. Anyway. I love it. I'm going to start planning my, my Neptune return party right now. <laughs> yes, you should. You should, you should have a Neptune return party and don't tell anybody the scene behind it. Just you got to show up. It's That's absolutely happening. Yes, yes. You know, it's funny because I've, I've been following you for a while and oh, it's you. really, you're welcome. And it's cool because you talk about this moment when, you know, you were laid off from your job when you were 28 and yeah. you decided just to kind of go all in. And it's interesting yes. because I, how old are you now? I'm 30. Okay. So I, as I was thinking, it hasn't been so long. And it's cool because I saw you, you know, kind of start Queer Cosmos, at least what I saw on mm. Instagram. And you were really, you know, you gained quite a following there before you launched your website. And so it's really, I, I love that because I think Thank it's you. so important to really, you know, when I work with entrepreneurs, I always tell people, like, just start now. Start with what yes. you have. You don't need yes. a fancy website. You don't need all these things. You know, you were getting amazing press when you were doing your work around your Instagram presence. Yes. Yes. And I'd love to hear how that shifted for you. How, when Ooh, you decided yeah. to go all in on this right. new passion of yours, how right. you decided to expand on it and how you decided to really make it into what it is today. Oh, that's a great question. I think, so it was interesting. It was, you know, right after I was fired, I had this sort of moment, because I think we're, when we are met with rejection, seeming failure, it's really difficult for any sort of falsity or just meaningless attachment to bullshit and nonsense, like stand before you, right? And I was just realizing that I don't want to do anything else other than this work. Because here I was not working out in other places. And I said, okay, like I'm going to trust fall into the arms of the universe because the fact of the matter is I have been studying these principles for years. Everybody was telling me, just start, just go. People who I admire deeply in the field as well, other astrologers who I've looked up to for years were, were saying, it's time, do it. You know? So that was really helpful to have the support of others, of course. And then sadly, a month later, my very best friend passed away. Oh. So there was this moment when I just said, okay, like I am confronted with not only the fragility of life, but the deepest meaning insofar as who am I, but a person who isn't trying to really contribute as much life as he can in the life that he has with authenticity and fearlessness and courage. What am I doing, doing anything else? You know? That is beautiful. That's that, and that was constantly playing in my head. And I wasn't even invested in necessarily the outcome. I was just firmly invested in the effort of making it something meaningful to others. And I think that made a big difference because in our crowd, not probably ours because it's more spiritual, but in this entrepreneur, wellness, you know, transformational growth crowd, they're really fascinated by metrics, numbers, 
followers count. And that's not to say it doesn't have a place, right? But from a universal spiritual theme, if we just recognize that if you help one person that day, that's no different in the eyes of the universe than you writing a New York Times bestseller that sells 15 million and then you get a TED Talk with 60 million views. Yes. It's no different. Yes. It's no different. And when we're more focused in the content of our work rather than the form and what does it look like and what about my branding, what about my hashtags, right? Then the universe takes care of that. Absolutely. And you know what? There's probably business coasters that are like, get this guy off the air. He doesn't know what he's talking <laughs> about, right? But honestly, that's, I just knew that was my technique, Caitlin, and it hasn't let me down. I mean, literally the last week that I received my unemployment check from the state of New Jersey, because that's where my job was, was when I was offered my first literary contract. Wow. So I'm pretty convinced. You know, I think it's powerful because, Colin, I, it's funny because I just actually last night finished the last week of a course I was teaching called Boss Witch University. And it was <laughs> all it. about... I love it. I know, yeah. right? It I was, was all, on your website. I stalked. Oh, I loved it. Go ahead. I love yeah. it. Stalk away. But, you know, <laughs> the point really to that course was all about merging, yeah, you know, these, the, these strategies that, like you said, do have a place with this real spiritual content. Because I yes. agree with you completely that we focus so much on... Oh my God, like I don't have 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 or Who whatever cares? people on Instagram yet. And I say, okay, like, first of all, how many people do you have? Yes. And imagine, you know, this is sort of a overused example, but like imagine them all sitting in a room and listening to you. Mm. That's actually a big audience. And if one of those people becomes somebody you can help and they become a client, who you yes. support, then like you just made money. So if yes. you're focusing more on just that next person you can serve, not only does it work yes. from the energetic standpoint, but it works yes. from the financial standpoint because that's how you yes. get clients. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you know what? From that energetic standpoint, thank you for saying this. Let's also be clear too that anytime we're looking at the current situation and say, mm, this isn't enough, be very clear. People sense that. Absolutely. And they're not gonna they're not gonna want to work with you if they feel like you're waiting for the next big thing to come in. Okay? Which is why it's really difficult to discipline and it's difficult and necessary to discipline your thoughts and your emotional motivation behind why are you doing the work that you're doing? Do you want to do it to make a difference and improve the quality of lives of other people? Or do you want to do it because you want to be an Instagram celebrity? Because if you're in the field of personal growth and spirituality, there are not enough transits right now to support being an Instagram celebrity and personal Ooh. growth expert at the same time. I'm telling you right now, this shit's in Capricorn. I love that. I figured you would because you're a Capricorn son, Caitlin. And the energy is, uh, if you don't have the actual meaningful intention to be a transformative agent in the lives of others, then you need to sit the fuck down and do your homework until you know how, right? But if you know how, the universe will take care of your rent money, your bills, your literary contracts, and then also, too, let's be clear, say the opportunity just landed on somebody's lap, right, to give a TED Talk, to lead a seminar, to write a book, and this whole time, they've had this attitude of, mm, this isn't enough. How do you think they're going to do when it happens? They're not going to do well because they haven't been practicing the art of improving their quality of attitude, maturity, and work ethic. Absolutely. Or you have people who are right? kind of like one hit wonders and maybe right. you get a book and then it's like, well, what, what do we well, do then? What? then? <laughs> and what? Right. And what, you know? So I think if you're in that space of 
building the brand in the first six months to a year, you need to be very clear about disciplining your thinking, aligning your values, surrounding yourself with people who reflect the values that you're passionate about. And you need to remind yourself that whatever's happening right now is the perfectly planned moment to uplift you no matter what. And it might not look the way the ego mind wants it, but the ego mind is hell-bent on your self-annihilation, not on your financial freedom. So it's important to make that distinction. I'm sorry, you unlocked the Capricorn in me, Caitlin. I don't know where the hell it came from. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, for everyone listening, actually, at the beginning of, before we started recording this episode, we, we were like this, okay, so we have two, we have a Gemini and a Gemini yeah. ascendant. We have mm-hmm. a Capricorn sun and a Capricorn moon. We right. are going to go directions with this conversation. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's, and it's leaning more in the Capricorn, like whip crack, you know, where it's like, we, of course, everybody, if you have a good idea in this moment, look at the world that we're living in. It's terrible. Please contribute. But please contribute because you actually want to contribute, not because you want to be an Instagram celebrity. You're in the wrong field. Absolutely. So anyway. I would love to talk about how... <laughs> so you, I, at the beginning of this episode, I introduced a quote that you said, a quote that you said once on the interwebs. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> on the interwebs, indeed, indeed. About how, you know, because the conversations around astrology yes. are older than the conversations around queer theory, the mm-hmm. LGBTQIA community has been really excluded from astrological discussion. And yes. I agree with what you said in this writing about how you you know, we notice that there are a lot of heteronormative pronouns used and you know, yes. especially when it comes to love astrology, it's always like, how do yes. you get the man or how do you get the woman? And I'm exactly, I'm like, are we, is really, is this what we're still doing? And so I was, yes. I'm interested in hearing about how you <clears throat> created an astrology practice that's non-heteronormative yes. and inclusive to all identities as part of your work. Yes. Well, thank you for bringing that up. And I will say too, that I am not the first, I'm not the only, and I won't be the last. There have been extensive queer astrologers actually in the Bay Area that you, uh, I would imagine, are you from there or because you brought that up? Oh, no, so I'm, I'm not. Okay. No, I'm from Baltimore okay. originally. Oh, great. So you're an East Coast girl like me. Okay. I am. So that's right. There are a lot of queer astrologers who have been trying to ask themselves these meaningful questions for a while. I'm thinking of uh, Rhea Wolf, Ian, we- Ian Weisler, Jessica Lignato, Lawrence jo- Joseph Jones. Uh, There's so many. Barry Perlman as another one. Um, So what we've been trying to do is just renegotiate what we know to be true about astrological principle and how that's made manifest in the lives of queer people. And to be a queer astrologer, you just want to examine the assumptions that are based on the essential identity of sex, sexuality, or gender. Right. And so what happens, like you were saying, is how can we use astrology to get the man or why is it that when we're reading a cisgendered females chart, we're only talking about Venus and not Mars? I thought it always annoyed me and I, it always confused yes. me. So I'm excited to hear what you yes. say about this. Well, it's, I would say to your own peril because hello, Mars is the planet of ambition, of erotic intelligence, of conflict transformation, and the worth by which you stand on when you say, I want, I will, I deserve. It's the I who feels that they deserve to want. Oh. Right. Yeah, and because and these are queer theories, remember, right? Because th- we've been reconfiguring relationship structures since the dawn of time. We've also been, you know, just real sharply questioning this notion that, you know, it's man and a woman, three kids by 29 and a picket fence and have a nice day. And hey, if you have that, more power to you as long as you're happy, 
right? We're not, cons- we're not falsely accusing that structure of being damaging. We're just saying this is not everybody's preference. So how can we re- renegotiate this? And I also think, too, one of the most powerful modes for queer astrologers to really contribute right now is to get rid of the binary of good or bad compatibility. There's no such thing. Oh, uh, absolutely. It, right. You know, it's, it be, I feel like the whole good versus bad compatibility thing, which is so old-fashioned at this point, although people absolutely. really believe it still. Yes. I feel like it's really linked to, in not just the spiritual, modern spiritual communities, but as well as the world, this obsession we have with like, <laughs> Good versus evil, you know. Yes, yes. Um, what, what many people, and I have big problems with these phrases, I won't get into now, but you know, people talk about like dark versus light, light versus yeah. shadow. And it's, right. the reality is there are always both in any dynamic. Yes, which is very much a queer notion, right? It's the both and, the not only but also. This spectrum of identity that rises above the simplicity of binary either or, this or that, A or B thinking. Right. So you're, you're, and, and anybody can investigate these things, right? You don't even have to be queer identified necessarily to be a person who says, okay, I hear what you're saying, though. I haven't always seen that in execution. So can we talk about the difference between theory and application for a minute? Oh, please. <laughs> oh, is right? that a rhetorical question? <laughs> no, I know. I mean, no, right? And then here comes the Capricorn. See, exactly we can all be the ones asking people those uncomfortable questions because, and also I have this book in front of me that my friend wrote. Her name is Liz Plank. She's a, she's a journalist at Vox and she's done amazing work covering the political elections. And she wrote a book called For the Love of Men, A Vision for Mindful Masculinity. So these conversations aren't also just about making sure that you know, women are set free from the patriarchy, but also can we bring men with us? Because the patriarchy harms everybody. And I think queer people can be the ones to ask those questions too, related to why are we only focused on man as Mars and you know this, these assumptions of testosterone and he needs to do this and women as these doe-eyed innocent creatures as well. You know, there's just so much of these assumptions exist in astrology, exist in culture. And we as progressive spiritual seekers, we have to be the ones that are queering by asking uncomfortable questions and say, can you please back this up? Because I don't believe it. So that's Absolutely. That. And that's that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You are letting my Capricorn out, Caitlin. What oh, have you done? I it's love what, it. It's uh, what I do. <laughs> it's true. All I my was, Capricorn girls, they get it out of me. Go ahead. Sorry. I always joke that that's the reason I sort of accidentally became a business advisor because in my business, <laughs> you know, working as a, as a, technically a life and success coach but you know ultimately with anyone i'm just gonna eventually get all capricorn on their asses and be like yeah how can we monetize this can this be a business (laughs) (laughs) i know right but like what does that mean and are you doing something valuable or is it all about you and can you drop and give me 20 i know because that's where that's where capricorn energy goes i would have been a good dominatrix and probably a lot richer that way but (laughs) (laughs) oh well hey listen the day is young who knows? <laughs> the day is young, but I'm not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God, please, go ahead. So you also talk about how, you know, so, and you've been talking about today about, you know, contextualizing queer experiences with astrology. Yes. And in something you wrote once, you mentioned that by contextualizing these experiences with astrology, we can find alternative solutions to advance and legitimize our causes. And I really loved that idea because... Mm. 
I really do agree that astrology, it's a system for understanding the world and it absolutely be used as a way to come up with solutions to problems and to really create a more expansive view and practice of the world. Yes. How can we use astrology as an agent for social change, both in our individual lives as well as in the world at large? Great question, Caitlin. So, well, first what we could know is that our chart comes imbued with particular proclivities, inclinations, challenges, and gifts that we're all curious about, right? So how we can really serve ourselves and the social causes is, okay, Caitlin, you were been assigned based on this natal chart to reimagine how to empower women financially to get them the businesses they deserve so they don't have to operate within the patriarchal capitalistic structures that seek to have women outside of important decision making. Go for it, right? My so you're my new copywriter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would be happy to. It's being recorded too, so use it for free. I don't give a shit. And then also, Colin, you have the natal chart that supports a very, a very strong inclination in relational intelligence and relational practices. Loneliness is the number one public health crisis. Take care of that, please. Right? There are other charts that say you are particularly passionate about animal rights, about immigration, right? about sex trafficking, about the environment. You know, there's so many ways about gays against guns. You know, there's so many things that we can actually find in the natal chart. Let's say, oh, yeah, I see why you are assigned to this. And so is there a certain to... place we should look in our chart for that kind of information? All of it, really. Okay. <laughs> I wish I could give you like, <laughs> ah, I could say start with the temp house. You're always going to want to see what is the sign that rules the temp house because the temp house is considered the midheaven in astrology. So it's the direct link between ourselves and the universe in terms of what we were put on this earth with a function to fulfill. Got it. Right? So it's the midheaven. And if anybody has read The Alchemist, I just finished it last night, it's essentially, this is your personal legend. This is the energy that you know you have to do, and so the commitment to it will make you uplifted to your highest peak performance and your functioning. Tenth I'm house. Like, I'm like scrambling to find my chart. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luckily, if you're a Gemini, I keep it on my phone. So. <laughs> if you are a Gemini rising, it's probably Pisces. Yeah. Yes, it it's is. It's probably Pisces. And my midheaven so. is in Aquarius. Oh, then it moved over well, based on your according, time. according, yeah, the Placidus house, the Placidus house oh, system, at least. Yes, so. yes, yes. Okay, so Aquarius, Pisces. Okay. So, yeah, you are obviously passionate about social causes, uplifting, access, inclusion, and accessibility to all people, regardless of sex, sexuality, gender, culture, family of origin, everything like that. Aquarius learns the rules to break the rules and says, everybody come into the club because that's the only way that we can shine. You Ooh, know, I like that. That's what it is, right? A rising, what, what is it? Rising tides raise all ships. That's Aquarius midheaven. And then you're going to want to look at the planetary ruler of that sign, which is Uranus. Where is it in your chart? What aspects is it making to other planets, right? And that tells you the greater picture. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. Thank you for the oh, little good. mini reading there. <laughs> oh, please, of course. And it can only be told through other people's charts, right? So exactly. thank you for being a guinea pig. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So we can look at these, you know, we can start looking at this part of our chart. And if anyone listening, if you've never run your chart, just Google, I always use astro.com, astro.com yes. for the chart. I was, I actually, whenever I have to run a chart, I have to Google 
astro.com free chart because their website is so difficult to navigate. Oh, no. <laughs> I can okay. never actually find Noted. it. But, you know. Noted. Noted. <laughs> so Google it and find out where you are. So once we know yes. what, you know, yes. what's in the 10th house where our midheaven is, um, we can use that information you're saying to kind of get an idea of where we should be focusing our energy into improving Correct. Our world. Is that correct? Absolutely. And then, because what I love about astrology, when I look at someone's natal chart, it tells me a greater story about the person. And so I will have a whole story in my head when I see this chart. And then I know as the astrologer to ask the questions that confirm or deny it. Right. So if your story does not line up, your life experiences does not line up with the story that's present in this astrological chart, I know one of three things. I'm way off or you're lying to me and or lying to yourself. Oh, yes. Right. Because it's one thing to know, oh, I'm an Aquarius uh, midheaven. Great. But if you were my client and you said to me, but actually, Colin, I was really thinking about uh, becoming a doctor and maybe an architect. I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, I don't see that here. Do you say you know? that? Right. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, I yeah. I, got I a, love it. I got a Capricorn moon, no filter. Nothing in my wording, my branding, my videos can note anything like I sugarcoat this shit for people. And no, right? So if I hear something that just does not line up with somebody's chart, then again, I could be off. Absolutely. And or I could say, well, are you lying to me or are you lying to yourself? And usually probably the answer is the latter. Yeah, right. Because you know what? <laughs> we all lie it's to really, ourselves. <laughs> we all the time. Self-deception is so real. So then once you know that story that's in your 10th house and you know the planet that rules it and the aspect it's making, go, gee, does this manifest in my life experience? Because if it is, great. I got to keep it moving. I'm going to be supported by the universe. I have nature behind me. I'm good, right? But if it doesn't, then you're going to want to pause, reflect, and reassess and say, well, where did I go off the rails? Where have I been playing it small? Where have I been inauthentic? Where have I not made choices based on my values? And why am I performing when I could have just been keeping it real the whole time? Oh. Yeah, girl. <laughs> I love what you said about, you know, why I don't remember exactly what you said, but basically. <laughs> That's okay. That's right. I was just like hanging on every word, letting it wash over me. But oh. I, you, know, you mentioned something about, you know, how where we're playing small and yeah. I'm curious if you know you can why I know the answer is yes I know you can use astrology for this I'd like to know how you use astrology for really unlocking the ways that we can expand on our identities and mm. you, know, you talked a bit just now about really identifying where we can be focusing our natural gifts and energies using our natal chart but yes. how can we expand on mm. that? How can we yes. identify, you know, are there any indicators of where we're playing small or where we're, you know, afraid to expand? Without a doubt. What are Without they? a doubt. Great question, Caitlin. So actually, I will look for where the person's moon sign is and Chiron, because Chiron is the wounded healer. The south node is a big one. But for me, I love the moon. I go right into the moon sign. Okay. And then I actually don't talk that deeply about the astrology of the person's moon sign. I go into a real quick summary of what shame is. Because Ooh. shame, as defined by Dr. Renee Brown, whose research I lean on in probably every single reading, I'm not even kidding. Like, if only she knew, <laughs> she, we would be besties, I'm sure. But the shame, she defines shame as the essential feeling that because of something I am, I am therefore unworthy of love, belonging, and success. 
And that's, wow. that to me is a lunar issue. We're going to talk, we're going to go right into the moon. Okay. And then I'm going to tell them that shame says to, you know, it's this voice of who do you think you are and you're not enough. So once you say, oh, I'll tell you who I am, right? Then it goes, oh, who do you think you are? So once we're hearing this voice, we know, fuck, shame's got me right where I want, where it wants me. And then I tell them there's certain tools to navigate shame resilience because shame is a universal emotion. The less we talk about it, the more we have it. And the way to develop resilience around it is to reach out and, ch- and share your story with someone who's earned the right to hear it and who has actually demonstrated high levels of empathic success to you. So when someone shows empathy, which is the only antidote to shame, according to Brene Brown's research, it no longer has us by the choke, by the chokehold. And we can feel a sense of worthiness again because we've wrapped language around shame. Shame cannot survive being spoken, right? So the minute we can get ourselves out of the playing at small energy, then we're back on our emotional feet and we're ready to do it again. So that's where I go. I try to blend the best of astrology and what the scientists are saying because uh, I think it does land in a, in, a, in a very particular way. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Yes. So that's what I would do is go right into the moon sign and understand that it rules our deepest psychic needs. It rules uh, where we go when shame is in overdrive. So we're in total survival, right? Fight, flight, or freeze. It also rules where we go when we're in joy and love and bliss. That's all a lunar issue. So if I know you're playing it small, we're going to talk about the stories that your moon sign is telling you based on culture, programming, race, gender, class, all of that. And we're going to then develop the resilience and the tools to help you get out of that mess and find your authenticity, your worthiness and your imperfections, your beauty and vulnerability, and the wisdom of failure. And we're just going to reprogram the parts of the brain so that you don't feel like you need to play it small anymore. Oh, yeah. I, I love how you know, you're combining really looking at these symbols in the chart with just knowing how our brains work and our natural yes. proclivities towards, like you said, you know, experiencing shame and using yes. that to kind of keep us where we are and where we've always been. You know, that's definitely right. one of the things I hear most often, you know, from clients or just people I talk yeah. to this, you know, who am I to blank? Yes, right, right, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up, Caitlin. And then your Sag Moon goes, excuse me, who are you not to express your own nature? Of course, absolutely. Right, exactly, because that's just the wisdom of Sagittarius, oh, right? Because <laughs> Sagittarius transcends just the worldly minutia of like comparison and scarcity. Because Sagittarius is all about collaboration. So they don't go into competition and, and comparison. They're all about collaboration, right? And then they also transcend scarcity because they're the centaur looking to the horizon as the sun is setting and says, you know what? Look what we could find over there. Let's keep going. There's opportunity. There's, there's something there. I got to go. I can't stay here. So I'm going to keep finding what it is that I need to transcend the worldly limitations at the present moment. That's so interesting because I had, I always forget that Sagittarius is about collaboration. You know, we talk about like Sagittarius being the adventurer and like the traveler and all this romantic stuff, but the collaboration piece is so important. I mean, I, I always say I'm like, I'm probably one of the most, the least, not the most, although maybe that was a shadow (laughs) thing coming out. Uh (laughs) Let's hear it. Let's hear it. One of the least jealous people I know. 
Now, I'm human. I'm wrong. Occasionally, I'll find myself comparing. But the reality is, it's just really not that interesting to me. And (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I do think it does stem from that recognition that we kind of, we're, we're on much more level of a playing field than we think. We really yes, are. It's true. And, I, and also, yes, Sagittarius is the sign of sacred collaboration because you are the, uh, the mythological animal that represents where humanity and, and the more kind of animalistic parts of ourselves come as one because you're half horse, half human. Oh, I so, never thought about that. Right. That and it's very literal symbolism is just an, an energy that knows all about sacred collaboration because you are two for the price of one you know so and also as gemini as a gemini my polar opposite sun sign is sagittarius and caitlin i am surrounded by sagittarius energy surrounded i like live in the horse pen i don't know what the hell it's about and i have always seen them just so naturally collaborative and kind and assuming that everybody has something special and unique to contribute. So they're like, hey, put it on the table. Let's see what you got. And I just think that's extraordinary to be around. Uh, so, And by the time this comes out, Sagittarius season will have just begun. So if anybody's watching, that's the energy we're going to want to take with us for the next four weeks. Amazing. And so how does yes. this relate to Chiron? You mentioned Chiron at the beginning. Yes. Chiron is the wounded healer. So this is the parts of ourselves that we kind of come into uh, really just not totally sure of or not having co- totally mastered in previous lifetimes, right? Because I do believe that astrology and reincarnation can intersect. That's just my personal belief. No monopoly on truth, but I think it can work in that way. And where you have your Chiron, you just sort of have like a pebble in your shoe, you know? And you're like, why can't I shake this thing? What's going on here? And of course, you want to examine it find the resilience around it, and then make sure that you can say, okay, I might be wounded in this area, but I can choose not to act from this wound. Because another thing that I'm sure you're seeing in the higher, in the higher consciousness crowd, Caitlin, is this overemphasis on identification of the wound, the ego, the shadow, the trauma. And hey, that's not to say there isn't a time and a place for that, but it's step one. It's not step two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 right? So we also need to go, am I, am I processing this to the point of self-indulgence or am I processing this because I can now identify where these things happen to me and choose a different behavior instead? That's Chiron. You know, we said about it not being step two, three, four, five is so interesting because yes. I feel like a lot of the, you know, various communities in contemporary spirituality, we'll call it, are they, they kind of like rally against the more traditional methods of like therapy, for example. But mm. I actually see the same things being recreated where, you know, oh, totally. In, I mean, I don't know about you, but like in my experience with therapy, it really did get to a point where I was like, I feel pretty like solid on my childhood traumas. Like I'm pretty, <laughs> like I get what's happening. So like, can we just right. move the fuck on, you know? But it's right. funny because so many people in you know, the new age crowd, I feel do kind of, process and process and process and process and eventually i told a friend this the other day eventually you have to just decide that you're moving forward precisely and that is the wisdom of capricorn and sagittarius <laughs> yes particular <laughs> yeah right particularly capricorn where you know they kind of deliver it from this place of tough love where it's like i'm sorry do you think you're the only one who came from a dysfunctional family <laughs> right <laughs> the world is a dysfunctional family. So get help, 
get over it or get out of my face. Can I put that on a t-shirt? <laughs> yes, please. I know. And you know what too, Caitlin? Like, I think that's probably why this energy is like, ha uh, overwhelming me in a way is that like, I really want Capricorn ruled women to own the parts of themselves that are uniquely Capricorn in that way of just administering the tough pills to swallow. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I feel often, and this is such a disservice to your energy that because of the culture you live in, you know, American women are trained to be perfectionistic people pleasers. Everything's fine. You're great. Don't worry about it. Right? Capricorn energy wants absolutely nothing to fucking do with that. And unfortunately, the qualities of your Capricorn almost get engineered out of your psyche. And you'll get the moments when you have the spine and the gravitas to say, okay, enough's enough. But unfortunately, when you do it, you get called a, a bitch. When I do it, people go, wow, Colin's such a great leader. That's you know? absolutely and I, true. And it's so right. interesting because it actually, it does, there are cultural issues at play there too. And I've only yes. really understood recently because I live in Mexico now. Right. And generally, I would not call the predominant Mexican culture a very direct one. Okay. <laughs> and right. it's interesting because, I mean, with my partner who's Mexican, he'll sometimes be like, that's a little harsh. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> because, right. You know, if right. I'm harsh, it's at times, I, I have a heart of gold at the center of it all. But if I'm harsh, of times, according to American standards, here oh, I'm like, it. People are like, what? Ice queen. <laughs> Ice queen, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's really funny. It's really funny. Yes. Well, and it does confirm it. And honestly, what I would tell you is obviously, you know, you're going to want to temper that a little bit because it's, it's the idea that our greatest strengths also pose our greatest challenges. But as your responsibility as a leader is to name what gets in the way between people and them becoming their highest and brightest selves. So... You can't do that if you're constantly avoiding people pleasing and sugarcoating. So I want my Capricorn will people to go, all right, yeah, I'm going to upset people, maybe ruffle a couple of feathers. So I got to choose my words really carefully and wisely. I can't say anything out of tantrum, appetite, and too reactive, but I'm going to still say it. Oh, I got to name it. <laughs> you know, it really does come down to owning your voice. And yes. You know, which is funny because that's ultimately branding. <laughs> yes, yes, and, you yes. Know, I was helping a friend who's also a, a coach with some copywriting, just like a very casual copywriting. And she was creating something around goal setting. And she was like, how would you phrase this? And I was like, well, I think I'd say something like, uh, learn how to slay your goals so you can like, you know, step the fuck up and blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't know, exactly. There were a few fucks. It was very direct. Right, and I was like, but if right. you said that, that would be weird. I told her. <laughs> yes, exactly. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but it worked for you and it definitely worked for me because we got Capricorn in our charts. Absolutely. So, and people, and people do value that for, you know, when it's authentic and when it's yes. how you actually are and you're not just trying to hurt people. That's true. Because again, everybody subconsciously knows everything about each other. So we'll know if you're faking it. We'll know. But that's why it's so amazing to really honor the wisdom of your chart because it, it, that nature is there. That power is there. And when we express it, we want to remember that we can't help but be a success at it because nature supports nature. This cosmically ordered universe that keeps planets revolving around the sun and then the, the, the flowers going from the earth to just turn at the perfect position to receive the sunlight and thus create oxygen to this atmosphere. This naturally, perfectly, cosmically ordered universe, which is the soul of the universe, according to the alchemist, has given you a chart, has given you a function. And when you follow it, you're going to be a huge success emotionally, psychologically, financially, and relationally in the worldly and the enlightened sense. So you might want to follow it. Quick question. Yes. 
quick, She's quick astrology question. Like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, because we were just talking about Chiron and then we'll actually move on. But yeah. I, no, please. what does it mean? Does, or does it mean anything in particular when your Chiron placement is the same as your ascendant? The reason I'm curious is it's like we have the wounded healer, but then my perception of the ascendant is that it's, how you're kind of viewed by the world. So how do those play? I'm, I'm asking for myself. Fully. Oh, no, please. No, well, that's actually, is, your, is Chiron in your first house or is it in um, It's in my 12th in Gemini. Okay, but it's close enough to your ascendant where yeah, it would like be Yeah, they're like both on either side of the, the okay. line. The line. Got it. Highly technical. <laughs> highly, the, I, nope, you're right. So that could mean a couple of different things. It could mean that your perception of self is just not accurate, right? And it could also be speaking from it more in terms of powerlessness because Chiron thinks I'm not enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not proving enough, what I'm doing right now isn't successful, mm. right? But because it's Gemini, you're going to want to also tell yourself a different story in your head about the way that you think, analyze, listen, and speak. Because Gemini, Chiron and Gemini said there is a particular wound around the voice, around research, writing, analysis. And are you telling yourself, oh, you're not smart enough. You're not creating anything original. Everybody out there does it so much better than me. I couldn't possibly be as eloquent as these bitches, right? And tell yourself a different story. Yeah. Oh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I got no words now. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, oh, that, I love it. that would be Chiron and Gemini. But what's amazing is that one of my friends uh, is, a, is a Chiron and Gemini. Not only is she one of my friends, but she has the same exact astrology as me, Leo rising, Gemini sun, Capricorn moon, with a Chiron and Gemini. She is one of the most prolific speakers and communicators I have ever met. You know, ever it's, met. it's funny because I... Definitely, I think in the past when I, you know, in my in my youth, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I'm I'm only 34. But when I was younger, I I think I definitely did have those wounds around the voice. I was super shy when I was young, and it's interesting because, yeah. you know, doing what I do now, I've actually found it very healing, and that I actually communicate better through speaking than I do yes. in potentially other areas. And it's really interesting Great. because. One thing I've learned, I believe in the energy centers, is that actually the more I use my voice, not only yes. the more comfortable is it, but actually literally the better it sounds. Oh, that's interesting. And I never so knew that. Interesting. I, you know, I practice Kundalini yoga where there's a lot of chanting and I yes. notice sometimes that like certain sounds sort of make my throat feel kind of like, oh, like I feel like I can't make the sound. And then over time, that throat chakra gets kind of opened. And oh, I love it. It's really interesting in the context of what we just talked about. So anyway. I love it. I love it. No, that's so interesting. But the, all these things confirm what we're saying, right? It's just like, work it through. It's not going to come easy for you. It didn't come easy for my friend, who has a Chiron and Gemini, right? But I think you know, she applied just the right amount of humility, as are you. You're learning different ways of doing it, which is why it's working. But we want to remember that these charts don't show where we're fundamentally inaccessible, wounded, and can never exercise transformation and personal growth. That's not the way this operates. If you interpret it that way, so it is. But if you're using it from a place of total radical transformation and self-actualization, everything can change. Beautiful. I feel like astrology is so empowering for this reason, totally. which actually brings me to something I've seen you speak on, and I don't... 
Well, you know, I see I see some people speaking on it, but the way you approached it, both in the historical and the modern context, was fascinating to me. Oh, which great. is the astrology of politics. Yeah. Oh <laughs> you did a talk a few years ago on the astrology of American history. I and I'm did. really curious about how you see astrology as having impacted events in both recent and historical political climates in the U.S. as well as in the world. Oh, great that. question. Great question. So first I want to acknowledge the fact that the exact time of birth for when the Declaration of Independence was signed um, is debated right now. So we know it's still July 4th, 1776, but there's just some notion on whether or not um, we have that it's whether or not America has a Sagittarius rising or a or a uh, Scorpio rising. But I feel it's very Sag. Anyway, it's like yes. debates about you know what sign Jesus was. Right. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. My money's on Pisces, but I don't fucking know. I, like, uh, I feel the same. Someone actually recently I, I heard they were like, "There's no fucking way Jesus was a Capricorn." Was a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> Because like Capricorns are the least like self-sacrificial people in the world. Yes. So, anyway, no. don't be don't I be offended. It. Any Christians right. who are listening, we're just having. A I know. Life. Right. No, <laughs> continue, we love continue. you. <laughs> uh, but yes, so you could interpret the astrology of countries absolutely, and I think you can see that actually emerging just in terms of the fact that the United States has a Cancer Sun, July fourth. Right. We initiated. This is really important to remember. There was never a founding document in a founding country that actually established democracy as the primary ordering system of government. That was us, Ooh, right. right? Which then inspired the uh, French Revolution, which then made the United Kingdom wonder whether or not absolute monarchy is the greatest form of government, right? So that's very much a cancer son, a person who initiate a country rather that initiates a new form of government, right? And a new form of relating to country of origin, home and family. We also want to remember that the United States was not born on July 4th, 1776. There were the indigenous Americans who were here for thousands of years before we ever came here. Right, so I was just wondering so, about that. So, do you view yeah. the definition of a country like really more about this sort of, um, like an avatar more than like an actual physical place? I think it's more of an avatar. Yes, I would say that. Yes, yes, I agree because with you. I, that's really interesting. Yeah, I would absolutely go in that lane because it's not as if the the indigenous tribes in the United States had excuse me, I should say North America, or what was what we now call as North America, had any less of an astrological transit, any less of astrological importance or validation. Uh, but it did, it did present an interruption, which is very much a cardinal sign quality of, unfortunately, through genocide and horrible things, this is no longer going to be the place it once was. So we could talk about both, right? And I think it's important for us to have an honest both-end conversation where we can acknowledge that America was founded in absolutely egregious crimes against humanity. And it also introduced some of the most enlightened versions and philosophies of government concurrently. So this tension between America's light and dark has been with us since the very beginning of our founding document. That's the way I choose to look at it, right? And the moon in Aquarius obviously relates to this idea of all of us are created equal. That's the quote that's imbued in our one dollar bill says e pluribus unum out of many one and the united states has a moon in aquarius which is very much this concept of shared humanity 
we're all in this together regardless of what we look like or our differences we are all one and it's our diversity that makes us one rather than creates an echo chamber much like what we're seeing today so there's many ways you can investigate a country from its natal chart and then also america is currently undergoing right now its pluto return because the last time pluto was in capricorn was the 1700s wow so 206 50 60 years later right Pluto has returned to Capricorn. And what's very interesting is Pluto entered Capricorn the week before the recession in 2008. And what I think is happening right now is we are really reestablishing why do we let Wall Street take the reins of our government? Why does our Congress only protect the interests of the 1%? Why is short-term economic fiduciary responsibility for uh, stockholders the primary value behind our greatest legislation? What are we thinking, right? That's Pluto and Capricorn coming in to just really sort of say, you just crashed into the iceberg and the ship's going down. So you're going to have to reinvent a new way of working this out. And then 2016, hello, we saw all of that. And that actually lined up perfectly with the eclipses in the United States because America has a North Node in Leo right? And Donald Trump was elected during the North Node in Leo, and he has a late Leo rising. And you could almost argue that 2016 brought America to its rock bottom so that we can ultimately transform with the transits that Aquarius is about to experience in the next two years. So you see how we could do this so many different lenses, right? But those are the ways that I look at the country and politics and astrology and social justice to just help us understand that Spirituality often informs our activism, right? Martin Luther King was a Baptist preacher from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, right? And then the, or the early women suffragettes considered themselves spiritualists. They had seances. They were curious about the, met, the metaphysics and what goes on in the esoteric realms, right? And the abolitionist movement came from the Quakers, who believe that there is an unalienable right in every single man, woman, and child. And so slavery is absolutely unacceptable. So there's, we already have a history of this. And I think our crowd needs a few history lessons because I'm sure they're feeling really untethered right now. Like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. Well, if you're wondering whether or not we've already had a political miracle, the answer is yes. So what are we doing now? Are we going to keep whining or are we going to get to work? And that's that. Another t-shirt I want. <laughs> okay, so right. when are you going to release your t-shirt line? Can we talk about Oh that? my God, I know. Maybe I should. Thank you, Capricorn, for I mean, it might be a sort of a niche, you know. <laughs> right? No, I, actually, I'm going to be like, was anybody born between December 20th and January 21st? Because if you were, I really should do like <laughs> slogans by the signs is what I should do. Um, because it's true. Yeah, I, I'll think about that one. Are you going to whine or are you going to get to work, Capricorn? Yeah, it's you true. Know, that would actually be really funny for just in general, like astrological transits, astrological yes. relationships, like a, a little right. quip that makes us really <laughs> understand what it's about. Like, what the fuck does it mean when I have my Pluto return or whatever? Oh, you know, so. right. No, totally. I love it. I'm on it. Thank you for the free coaching advice. I appreciate that. Like, <laughs> bitch, get your shit together. I love it. Yeah. Uh, this has been such an amazing conversation, and I really appreciate not just your views on you know personal empowerment 
through astrology, but how we can apply that to social change to not just the social change, but really creating change in our own lives, creating change because it has to start from within. We have to change ourselves in order to change the world. And these aren't completely agree. Yeah. I mean, these, these aren't, you know, I mean, I guess they are kind of, um, I don't know. Sometimes you say these things and they almost feel trite because we tend to feel like these phrases are meaningless. But the reality Mm. is we do have to change from within to change others and to change without a doubt and to understand our place in the world. So yes, what is, I'm going to get personal here. What is something that you have found in your own chart that has really Mm. caused you to question who you thought you were and how did that affect the person you brought into the world and the person Ooh, you became? Great question. And I also want to say, honestly, Caitlin, that's not trite at all. Because I think our crowd really needs to remember that, that there's nothing spiritual about a conversation that's relegated to all about me, right? And we need to actually increase our capacity for we and the collective because we know how to change ourselves. And our crowd knows if you know how to change your heart, you know how to change your world. So what are we doing? Only applying these principles to our personal circumstances. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So just wanted to confirm that for you. Uh, yeah, related to my chart. So as you know, because you're a Gemini rising, I have a pretty strong lickety split stellium between Gemini and Capricorn. Very different energies right? So my Gemini energy is Sun, Venus, Mercury, and Jupiter. And my Capricorn energy is Moon, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. Okay. So four and four. And what I've really allowed my chart to give me the permission slip to do is to be a person who is really grounded in secular, scientific, empirical evidence, right? That's my Gemini, where I'm just really concerned with what are the methods? What are, what are the academics saying? What's the theory? You know, how can I understand the most important principles of the intelligentsia, right? Just so that I can really be clear on what it is that I'm passionate about. And that, does that, that doesn't then make me an anti-intellectual if I'm concerned about past lives, astrology, mediumship, esoterica, right? Because I think my Gemini energy allows me to be in this world and then know that I'm not of it. None of us are but it gives me that permission slip to be as much of a both-end paradox personality as possible. I don't want to be just another woo-woo person who nobody takes seriously because they're there. God love them, but that's, we see it all the time. And I also don't want to be a person who has absolutely no listening for theology and mystery and faith. I want to be both. And my chart has given me the foundation to do that, so I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And that really, in the end, I think that's kind of the thesis of everything you share with us today, that you're looking at something like your chart is really a way of accepting and integrating the ways we truly are. And when we really accept that and celebrate it, we can turn those into gifts rather than challenges. Without a doubt. And then I think what's really beautiful about that is there's something about watching another human being who walks into a room unapologetically themselves that sort of whispers to you, you can do it too, right? Oh, and yes. I think that, right. And I think that's, and that's what my friends are to me, you know, that watching, 
when I went to those astrology conferences and I learned through the astrology people who were formerly, you know, my inspirations, then became my mentors, then became my friends, they were people who just owned the fact that I don't really give a shit if you think this is crazy, right? I'm not a stupid person. I've came prepared with this and fuck you if you don't like it. And I love that. Like I needed to see that. I needed to bear witness to it. And then they gave me permission slips to go, yes, I have a master's degree and I'm an astrologer. What do, what do you want? You want to tell me I'm not stupid? Yeah, well, say that's my valedictorian speech that I gave at Parsons School of Design. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I dare you, you know? And that's what made me feel really empowered around the system is just like, you can be both. And yeah. I hope that wasn't too grandiose, but I've just, oh, I've been thinking no about thing. this often. Okay, good. No such thing. Thank yeah. you, Colin. And to sum up to, or not to sum up, to end our interview today, and you know, hell, while you're at it, sum up everything you've talked about. Right. I want you to share with our listeners where they can find you, how yes. they can learn from you, how they can work with you if they desire. What do you have yes. for us? Well, Caitlin, I also just want to say thank you for having me here because you've been an amazing interviewer and you came so prepared and so researched and so thoughtful. And I'm just deeply grateful for that. So thank you for the contributions of working with you today. It's been an honor. Oh, so, you've made my little Capricorn heart grow three sizes. <laughs> oh, so. good. Right. But only three. That's, <laughs> thank you, Colin. <laughs> right. That's it. That's all you will hear from me. Uh, but no, so you can find me on Queer Cosmos on all the social media channels, uh, Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-S-M-O-S. Uh, that's my website as well. I offer natal chart readings. Uh, I have uh, two books that would be out by the time that this gets released. It's the first one, A Little Bit of Astrology. The second one is uh, called Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships. And my third book, Gemini, comes out January 2020. And I offer natal chart readings as well, so we can have a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And all of that is on my website, queercosmos.com. Thank you so much. And everyone listening, I will include all of those, show, those links in the show notes. So be sure to check out Colin and find out more about his work and book a reading if you desire. Thank you all so much for listening. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app. To keep the episodes coming, click on the link in the show notes to support the show for as little as $1 a month. I am so grateful to have you as part of this movement. I'll see you soon.